Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Articulate with Steve McJones. Hey, what's up? It's me. How's it going? Uh, this week, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll give him a little bit of introduction. Felix Bear. What can you say about this guy? Um, I'll tell you, he does not give a shit about anything. That is 100% honest. And he is... I respect that. Like, as a comic, if you can do what Felix does uh, and go out to open mics and do your own style, even if it may not always fit completely, you know, like, he still does it. And I, like I said, it's very respectable. He's also just, like, a a very well-read and uh, attentive person. Like, he listens. Uh, And he has a very specific image of how he wants to be perceived. Uh, And again, does not give a shit and won't let anybody tell him otherwise. And again, and I just find that very respectable. Um, And I think we all wanted to know if he was British or not. So that's really the main reason (laughs) I had him out here. But also, Felix, great dude. Love seeing you out. And um, yeah, I uh, hope you like this episode. So please uh, strap in and enjoy Uh, so, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, uh, Felix Baird. How you doing, Felix? All right. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so, Felix, I think a lot of people have this question that I just uh, need to start out with. Yeah. Are you British? No. No, not uh, at all. <laughs> technically, yeah. Technically. All right, so give us a rundown of your background a little bit. I was born in the UK. Uh, we moved here in the 90s. The UK is a pretty big place. I was born in Bristol. Bristol, okay, cool. Um, which... If you have a mental map, is sort of southwest, bordering Wales. Gotcha. Wales is the pustule, a bit above the toe. Okay, cool, yeah. I, I only know Wales because of uh, Alex Turner's from there, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Is he? Uh, I'm from Sheffield. Oh, you're right, you're right. No, he's from Sheffield. But maybe I'm thinking of Submarine, the movie that Submarine he is in Wales, yeah. In Wales, okay, I'm yeah, sure. that's definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Bristol, and how long did you live there for? Six months. Six months as a baby. And then six months after college. Oh, okay. So you went back. But you're jumping ahead there. So six months in, right? And then you moved over into... Yonkers, New York. Really? Yeah. Is that like suburban area? Um, Yeah, it's in Westchester County, but it's poor Westchester County. Okay. Except that's in the rich part of poor Westchester County. Nice, nice. Yeah. And, uh, And, you know, how was growing up around there? Well, I grew up on a seminary, so I was very divorced from it. It was uh, what area? A seminary. Um, oh, a seminary. Yeah. Oh, that's really? why we were in the states. Interesting. How how was that? What was that like? Ah. Uh, what was it like a daily? Well, I went to school, I went to school like a normal person, but yeah. lots of people in robes and church bells all the time. Yeah. Lots of church. Uh, at least three hours a week a lot of time. Nice. Okay. Are you still religious? Uh, I think it's by well, I, I have a religious point of view regardless of what I believe or not. Fair enough. Like it's sort of imprinted. Yeah, I could see that because I grew up Catholic and it's yeah. like um, I mean I've been reading Alan Watts I don't know if you know him or oh, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but he is very you know like open minded about religion and everything and so I try to be like <clears throat> you know I feel like religions, all religions are like looking at trying to achieve the same thing um, but like coming at it in different ways. Yeah. So uh, at least you know on a very very <laughs> different like high level but um but like i feel like with me since i have a catholic background it's easier for me to you know imagine it or actually 
you know, put it into physical thinking, metaphysical thinking. Yeah. Well, it's a cultural language mm -hmm. that you, it sort of forms a baseline grammar of how you think about exactly. questions like eternity or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it makes it a little bit more real for me, but I don't want to get too, too deep into that. <laughs> no but worries. I didn't know that was your background. How long did you live in the seminary for? 24 years. 24 years in a seminary? Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. where my pet. That's where we worked. Yeah, true, true. They, your parents did. No, my father did. Um, they had a deal to move wherever the first one got a job. Okay. And my father got the job, to my mother's surprise. Uh, nice. <laughs> so what did he do there? Just... He taught um, early church theology. Really? Like, from the first through the third century. Really? Yeah. That's so cool, actually. I've never, like, met anybody's parents who have been, you know, seminary... What is the title, technically? Uh, he was a professor of patristics. And, uh, but he's moved to Aberdeen now. Okay. Where he's a Regis professor of theology or something. Nice. Okay, cool. And so, I mean, you lived in the seminary until you were 24. How... Yeah, I went to college and stuff in between, but yeah. my home address was there. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. How was, uh, what was high school like for you? I went to a Jesuit high school, so that wasn't too difficult yeah, yeah yeah i enjoyed it actually yeah yeah find a little group did you do anything like what would you do in actually i was a loser who spent his lunches in the library reading biographies yeah. and doing art <laughs> it's weird i'm reading again that alan watts like biography now yeah. at this point well, he's... i like biographies they end in death <laughs> true true that's an autobiography my bad okay. my bad yeah <laughs> But you must have read quite a bit of biographies. That's... Quite a few, yeah. I got into Oscar Wilde at the time. Oscar Wilde, okay. And so that's probably where a lot of your um, influence for your style comes from? At that um, a bit. Actually, it goes back earlier. Oh, yeah. uh, being in the seminary is part why I'm very British because we didn't have... All my influences were very much my parents. Okay. So it's all like 1970s, 80s yeah. British stuff. Yeah. So my early influence would be like Terry Pratchett and The Young Ones and early British punk. And gotcha. then that moved to Oscar Wilde because he's like uh, more elevated Terry Pratchett. <laughs> yeah, I um, this, so yeah, so I guess your interest in arts, is it, did it start with comedy or did it start with like um, music? I mean, seminaries obviously there's a lot of singing in church. I don't know if that, there is a performance aspect to it. Oh, it's very sure. theatrical. Yeah, it's very, very theatrical. I, it's also Orthodox Christianity, which is why I have such a garish style yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I think that there's always been an artsy edge. Comedy and music sort of came at different points, but okay. those both were very punk influences. Yeah. That's my early interest. Yeah. So, I mean, guess I just like art and creativity in general. When did you see that within yourself? Um, it's always been there, uh, even when I was younger, because foundational memories are like doing speech therapy and having to do stories to do speech therapy. Gotcha. And writing terrible books when I was like five. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Actually, there's this uh, podcast episode and I found a story that I wrote in like second grade. Yeah. And it's just like me. It's just like an ongoing one run on sentence <laughs> about like a bad guy. Like it's a group. It's a team. You know, it's like yeah. an Avengers type with cooler you know, they're, like, dogs, and, like, uh, they have way cooler superpowers, and they're all based off of, like, my schoolmates and everything, uh, but, and then just, like, another bad guy would come, but, I mean, it's still, like, I mean, I was trying, you know yeah, what I mean? It was, like, trying. Yeah, so did you start out writing, like, what type of stories were you writing when you were young? Oh, terrible rip-offs of Pokemon, I think. Really? I remember that. I also created a 
monster called Crash Mouth because his mouth would crash. Crash Mouth? Yeah. Like, All-Star? Uh, actually, no, I didn't know about the band at the time. <laughs> I was, again, I was... Com- they ripped off of you. Yeah, you definitely. No, I was completely divorced from a lot of pop culture. Oh, wow. I didn't realize Oprah was a real person until I was 13. She is a real person? I know. No, <laughs> And I learned that Madonna was older than Britney Spears when I was 25. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, I guess was um, w- within the seminary, how much access, like, did they... I mean... Oh, there's access because we got, like, graduate students. Mm-hmm. I'm awesome that my parents were, like, restrictive. Again, they... Sh- it's the kind of back room where I would read the Bible for my Jesuit high school and listen to the Sex Pistols. And, not, <laughs> and I wouldn't see a contradiction. Like, it's... <laughs> So it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was all there. Mm-hmm. It was just more... I, I guess I just gravitated to the English stuff because that was like home mm. culture stuff and then like it was weird Bush America out there. Yeah. Like walk, go to school, you'd pass like 13 American flags mm-hmm. and that kind of thing's like, oh, yeah. that's not my flag, is it? <laughs> Well, that's interesting. So I guess your parents must have instilled your British culture very deeply within you. Um, a mixture of... They did, and I sort of did that perversity, I think. Because right. my brother and sister are more American than I am. Oh, really? Are they older? Or... No, they're younger. Oh, okay. So maybe it's also my parents just acclimatized by the time they were born. True. Because I was the first one. Yeah, and I mean, I can imagine, you know, growing up. I mean, even just in general, I was like a rebellious guy and like didn't want to associate with my Ohio brethren. (laughs) And so like I can imagine, you know, knowing that you're mainly British or that you come from the UK and you're like, I want to associate more with that too. It's kind of interesting. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm not anywhere near you. But like growing up, I always like uh, enjoyed you know British bands and uh, culture movies that were you know actors uh, that were bigger in the UK, um, things like that. Like like Harry Potter, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fun. Um, so yeah, I guess when did the stories? You know, were you writing and kind of thinking about performance? No, I always want. I always liked writing. Mm-hmm. It was always bit of a writer. Comedy happened more randomly. Um, I was trying to write a book like over quarantine Mm. and I stayed with myself so it turned into a horrible avant-garde piece of shit. (laughs) And then other stuff was happening and then so I was in a very bad place and then Sean Locke died uh, who's a comedian and he died in August I thought. Mm -hmm. I guess the idea got launched in my head of like you could just do comedy and I thought fuck it I'll do comedy because everything else is going badly oh man yeah um but even the writing always had a comedic edge just I never thought that my sense of humor would work well in stand-up yeah yeah because Which... <laughs> again like lots of stand-up has a very kind of rigid idea of what comedy should be mm-hmm. yeah and we were just talking about this so like open mics around here you know it, it's maybe there, there is is a, a fairly um, locked in. I don't, I don't even know how to. Well, it's like it's a bunch of people who like comedy, spend their time thinking about comedy, doing comedy. So they're the most dogmatic people about what comedy should be. Right, right, and and a lot of the, I mean, open. I mean, they're they're not like mean about it. It's just if you think about something for so long, you're gonna have a 
Yeah, sure. you about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas the comedians I liked tend to be more like alternative British comics in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. And Rob Newhart, Bob Newhart. Okay. Because I grew up with that. Yeah, yeah, and so, I mean, with those influences, I mean, you just, there's not, just because, do you, do you think if you went to the UK, you could probably find more of uh yeah, I think my comedy would be very different because I don't have to explain being English all the time. True. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, but I think I'd be very different if I grew up there. Yeah. Because I think sort of the rebelliousness we were talking about, I sort of try and bring onto stage of a kind of, not antagonistic, but standoffishness against the audience of I am who I am. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I wouldn't have to do that as much mm. Yeah. if yeah. I grew up in a similar culture. You could kind of just lean into more of your own internal rebellious nature as Yeah, or I could do more of the silly, surreal stuff and people might be more into that. True, true. What, so what drew you uh, to, I mean, was there anything specific that you recall, like, when you were diving into the literature and uh, other culture that, you know, brought about the rebellious feelings or, or why you liked the punk rock nature of, of things? Um, that's just... Well, the first, I think there's like a few things there. It's like comedy, like my foundational comic memory is watching the young ones. They were a sitcom in the mid 80s, I think. Okay. And my father was like 20 then. So, you know, when I was 10 and it was on PBS, it's like, you have to watch this. Yeah. Which looking back now, like, I don't know why he showed it to a 10 year old. <laughs> but it was a alternative co- sitcom. And it had this kind of punk rock energy to it. It's also where I first saw Dexter's Midnight Runner. Oh. Right, it's because they're in the bathroom performing Jackie Wilson said. Oh, nice. Anyway, the plot of the episode is Atom Bomb falls into their house <laughs> and doesn't explode. And they have different reactions yeah. to it. Like, one's tried to sell it, one's tried to threaten Thatcher, one's trying to blow it up, and another's building a bomb shelter. Yeah. And there's a bit where, like, one who's worried about is painting himself white, and it's like, look at you, racist, even in death. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah, well, so a 10-year-old. Perfect for a 10-year-old. Oh, yeah, perfect for a 10-year-old. <laughs> like, it's kind of punk rock energy to that, yeah, which yeah. I appreciated. And then the punk rock music was just very exciting yeah. and very grounded in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting costumes, usually. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of went to like David Bowie and other stuff. Yeah, definitely. So is that where, again, I mean, talking about your style, too, we have to address it. Like, <laughs> is that where a lot of that came, came from, too? It's amazing. Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, the shirts, actually, started the shirts going to Jesuit school because you had to wear a uniform. Right. And so I decided to be a dandy because I was like, I will dress to uniform, but I'll take it to yeah. a silly extreme. So I'd wear suspenders and floral shirts. <laughs> nice. So the, the style was a bit of a fuck you, I Well, guess. it's almost, yeah, a rebellious thing again, too. And then at some point, you just kind of, it just kind of took over. I, that, I guess that's just my attitude at many things. Yeah. I wore the Pip-Pip Cheerio sign. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, did you ever do any, like, official writing, or it was just kind of all things you I had a magazine I used to work with, which went under during quarantine. Oh, sorry. Yeah, what what articles did you write for it? I interviewed a few people, like um, astrophysicists and protesters. They did like in- strange changes at intersection of science, culture, and technology. That I was in Denmark for a while, and then I'm. Oh, was that the six months? Yeah, I was six months in Denmark, and I was still doing it when I moved to Philly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, what was the the magazine in general? How'd you get into that? Ah, uh, I 
don't remember how I applied to it. I just got it asked if I wanted to interview and moved to Copenhagen if nice. I got it. I said, okay, I have no jobs in Bristol, so I'll move to Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you like Denmark during your, like, six months? I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's too expensive, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like, culture-wise, it was uh, pretty nice. Um, it's nice if you're Danish. If you're Danish. <laughs> well, all the welfare systems are very made to be for people who fit within the culture of the welfare system interesting huh yeah do you think america should do that um i think america could do some more welfare but i don't <laughs> know if they do a good job at instilling such a idea of being danish yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair um okay but yeah and then you came back and took that job here and that definitely i feel like just writing starting writing in general even if it's for a job or something just that just gets your your brain going you know the wheels oh, yeah. turning and so, I mean, did that, um, you probably put a lot of, like, wit and in, in, uh, interesting vocabulary into those articles, too. Um, yeah, but, and uh, I've gotten more used to just churning out stuff over the years. True, but true. Did you have a favorite person you interviewed? Um, I interviewed the astrophysicist who did the science behind the black hole interstellar. Really? Yeah, we got, we almost got lost on an aisle in Sweden. What? How did that? What? Because he wanted to go to visit a the remains of an observatory from a Renaissance Danish astronomer. But there's only one ferry there and back. But we didn't know about that. <laughs> and we were taking a kind of circumnavigation of the island, because it's a small island. Mm-hmm. And we had to sort of break into a Swedish farm to get to the ferry back on time. How did you broke into it? You just like went around the back or whatever? But, yeah, we had to sneak through the cow fields. The cows were <laughs> impressed with us. <laughs> that sounds like a good-ass time, honestly. Yeah, it was a great time. I had a good time writing the article. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did he tell you anything interesting that you wrote about? Um, I mostly wrote back... He's the kind of person whose brain jumps around. I just thought it was interesting that he could... He basically drew what the um, black hole light effect was mm-hmm. with ink in the 70s before oh, the computer really? imagery, because he did based on calculations. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So he's just an interesting guy. There's a lot of creativity that goes into that, even, you know? Oh, yeah, he was, because he also worked with composers and wrote books. Oh, really? Yeah. He yeah. jumps them around a lot. You still uh, talk to him at all? Not really, but it was a good time. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Um, when did you decide to take the, the class? Because that was the start. About August. About August. When, uh, who died? Sean Locke. I wasn't even a big Sean Locke fan. It's more of the, I, I think I just saw the word comedian and I was just in the kind of place of what am I doing with my life? No one reads books. Why am I trying to write a book? Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of incepted myself. Yeah. <laughs> you had to? Um, it's been like I had to. It's just like, it's a way forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just another uh, stepping stone. Yeah, and I'm happy I did it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it. You know, you you did the class, and that was what that was what five classes, six classes. Yeah, it's in September through October, mid October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we did that together, and yeah, you must have uh, liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not a performing person, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah, yeah, and then well, and that's the thing is like you've still come out since then. That's what September. Remember, six so, months now? Six months now, man. Like, that's not nothing, you know? Dull of all the open mic shit. Yeah. <laughs> Dull of having to win over Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, the entirety of Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, it really does, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, I know you said you. Um, I mean, this. I don't know where the swords come in, but I just like. Oh, yeah, I've got swords. Yeah, how many swords, by the way? Um, well, they're fencing swords. I've got four. Well, one's broken, so three. Mm. There, do you actually fence? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, well, it's like historical fencing, hmm. which is different from lapping. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, we do longsword fencing based off Italian manuscripts. It's called historical European martial arts. Really? Yeah. When, how often do you do that? Um, usually once a week, unless I'm going to an open mic. Yeah, definitely. I didn't even know that that was a thing still around here. Um, yeah, it's a, we do a must filler. Okay, so is there like, um, I mean, how do they train you with that? We just do drills based off interpretations of the manuscript, oh. and then we just fence. Wow. Heavy gear. Mm. Hope we don't hurt each other, usually. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't know you do that. That's uh, w- sad. <laughs> That's really interesting. So how many different styles? Because as you said, it's Italian, right? Yeah, so it's two, well, it's three sort of general styles. Two major ones are Italian and German, and in those there are a few other styles. Mm -hmm. So I sort of do the OG Italian style, which has pictures of people getting kicked in the crotch and (laughs) having their face smashed in by the pommel. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) With a writer Fiore going... I have knocked out many teeth this way. It's been a gangster. Though. Yeah, it is a little bit. That's what I'm saying. I wish oh, I yeah. Could... It's like if you could stand in front of someone who's got three feet of metal. Well, more usually. Yeah. I've got a new one, which is like four and a half feet. But like three feet of metal who's going to try hitting with you. At a, you could stand in front of an audience at comedy in just complete silence. Yeah. And like, this isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. <laughs> you have to assert dominance over fencing. You have to assert dominance over the audience, and they respect that. Oh, yeah. So you find a lot of similarities between the two. Um, at least self-confidence. Yeah, well, definitely. That that, that definitely plays into it. I mean, the, and the fencing is a form of art, obviously, oh, yeah. like you said, martial arts, which is really cool. I still do that in a strange way, too. I manage it somehow. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it properly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I throw cuts in weird ways, apparently. Uh, like, like, they spin around and always like, we don't know where they're coming from, Felix. Stop it. I'm, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, isn't that what you want, though? Nah, that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, they don't, you don't want them to They know. don't actually tell me not to, but it's been like... Unconventional. I want to know how to teach it. Yeah, yeah. Other ones could probably teach it better. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool, though. So have you actually gotten a sword fight with someone you think you could hold your own? Uh, if it's someone who doesn't know what they're doing, then certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about somebody that has d- taken the class three times? Uh, yeah, I could still do that. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, because you do it regularly. And is there always more that you can improve on with? Oh, yeah, there's always more. Defensing? Yeah. It's, uh, like, medieval mindset would be that the manuscripts represent a kind of platonic truth. Mm. So, like, a platonic way of how you would do a martial art, but you always fail because it's Plato. <laughs> like, you know, um, it's basically forms, neoplatism. There's always a earthly form which fails to represent the ideal whatever. Right, right. Which is just life. Yeah. <laughs> That's just art in general. There's but, always an idea of what it should be, like comedy or fighting, whatever. You should do it a certain way. You'll never do it that way. You can always improve on it to get closer. Yeah, well, definitely. But, I mean, especially within fencing and you're, like, reading the manuscript, like, then and there. Like, that's a lot different than... I mean, I can understand, like, what you mean with, like, translating it with comedy and, and other things like that. But, I mean, right there, you're reading the, the script, right? And you're, like, figuring it out at that in that moment. Exactly how it's supposed to be. Yeah. But 
this idea how it should be, but it's not going to work that way. You know, you're not going to have an ideal situation where someone lets you do something in the yeah. perfect way. I mean, in the really perfect way, you just hit them the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the entire art of fencing is predicated on failing to hit them the first time. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, you want to hit them in the head. They die. That's you go a, home. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is like, oh, they stopped you. Now what? <laughs> the first rule is you hit them again on the other side. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we're trying to. Yeah, try to. <clears throat> That's so cool. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, yeah. So where are you at right now in that? Uh, like, say, how many years have you been doing uh, Let's see. Two-ish? Two, almost three? Two. Okay, so you're pretty, pretty deep in there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find, like, within... So, like, within stand-up, I found, like, you know, after a three-month period, I'd figure out, like... You know, I was doing a specific set, and then I wanted to change things up and, like, try a different style. And then, you know, moving forward, you know, six months in, I was like, well, what I was doing at the beginning wasn't that bad, you know what I mean? And, like, kind of going back and forth with the different ways that I wanted to write and, and different things like that. So do you find that with, uh, you know, with um, fencing at all? Yeah, you so if you go into ruts about certain yeah. ways you try to solve the problem, and then you go, well, I want to be more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I'm very gangly. Mm. and I have a good sense of how far I have to be before I could hit them, which just means I hit their hands a lot. Oh, okay. And I'm, like, always thinking I want to actually hit them properly, not just their hands. Yeah. Though hitting their hands is a completely valid strategy because sure. you hit them. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably drop their sword. <laughs> but I still want to be more artful, so... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So is that what you're kind of right now working on with them? I mean, that's always what I'm trying to work on because I've gotten... Hand sniping to a bit of an art form. Okay. <laughs> You've worked that into your own little craft there. Well, it's a mi- yeah, it's a mixture of knowing exactly my distance and being tall. Yeah, yeah. Which is a massive advantage. Yeah, using your, yeah, the definitely your, your natural abilities to your advantage. Oh, yeah, height is the <laughs> OP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's even, I mean, so I rock climb too. Within that, it's like, there's certain things that, like, short people, like, I can... Literally, like, something that's easy for me, just reaching up and, like, grabbing into it. Somebody has to, like, work on it, you know, 50 different ways to figure out how they can jump in perfectly and not fall on that one. Exact same issue is that if I'm fighting someone who's a foot short for me, Mm -hmm. I could throw a cut from, like, six inches further away or something. And they have to come into where I can cut them for them to cut me. Wow, so you probably have to, like, study all different types of opponents you might face and, like, judge there. Yeah, it's harder when I have to fight people who are taller than me, because yeah. I'm not used to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They just hit me on the head. <laughs> <laughs> sort of up, down, boop. Yeah, a little boop. boop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, wow. But it's a martial art, so you can do it all kinds of different ways. Some people are more slow and solid. People can knock me over, that's the other thing, though. Yeah. So they, if they can get in close, they can just push me out of the way mm-hmm. or if we're grappling I can get thrown over because I'm completely ethereal <laughs> I don't have much mass yeah yeah well and so then again how do you use that to your advantage around back yeah or compensating just make sure that they don't get to push me over true true are you a little bit more like agile a little bit uh, a bit a little bit with it yeah well yeah you are but the the, <laughs> the gangly side probably doesn't help with that as well yeah. Um, that's cool though. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what got you into that? Uh, I was, I was in Denmark and my DM did it, but I was always too busy to do it. And I did have the money to pay a deposit. So when I came to Philadelphia, I didn't know anybody. I just came because I could walk and could afford. Yeah. (laughs) 
There's not many places in this country where you don't need a car. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's basically true. what I'm in Philadelphia. Damn, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's why I love Philly too. Yeah. And then I thought I need to meet people. Well, I'll just do this because I've always wanted to. Yeah, pick up fencing. Yeah. You met a lot of people through that? Yeah, I have a good group of friends. Nice. They keep on saying, when can we see you do comedy? I said, you don't no. want to come to an open mic. <laughs> that's what, dude, everybody says that. Yeah. Friends, if you try and date people, they go, they're always like, we want to see you. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> well, like, you might want to see me, but yeah. you don't want to come to two straight. <laughs> yeah, true. You don't want to be, you want to stay out until 2 a.m.? That'd, that'd be fun. <laughs> or you could, you have to work, come at 8 because you don't know when. Yeah, so. <laughs> because you could accidentally be early. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, yeah, well, that's really cool. Well, so it sounds like you've, you know, acclimated with your, you know, with the fencing and, you know, gotten it pretty deep into the stand-up at this point. You think you're going to continue, you know, everything you're doing now for a while? Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Pretty, for a while. Nice. Yeah, do you, do you have an idea of what your next steps would be? Um, it's sort of more of the same, but better. Hmm. Okay, just kind of working on improving those skills. Yeah. Um, you know, actually hitting the person in their body as opposed to their hands. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe more props, maybe less props, we don't know. Uh, there's one more prop thing that I want to do at least, <laughs> which will be a bit daring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Oh, and then, uh, and then I do have to, the honorable mention, you are alive and you felt completely fine after drinking raven water, yeah? Oh, yeah, I went on a date the next day. The next day? Yeah. And it went well. Uh, I thought it did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. I'm glad you're alive and didn't die from that. <laughs> and you did it for the name of comedy, dude. You know what? Name of comedy, but also now I've got a reputation as the person who drank water <laughs> yeah. and True. It was just like, it was just like roof water, dude. It's yeah, not it was even... just roof water. But like, as soon as they start going, someone has to drink this and everyone's being a little bitch about it. Like, someone has to drink this. Yeah. Somebody's got to. Otherwise, it'd be, it's like that thing where like you're elementary school or something yeah. and everyone's going like oh my goodness who's gonna do this thing yeah it's such a kerfuffle it's like fuck it <laughs> yeah yeah so, so you were just like all you people are just being bitches punk. yeah you're punk as hell I'm, you just I'm the get... most punk person <laughs> I wear corduroy flares it's <laughs> <laughs> oh. more punk than that seriously dude um Cool. Well, yeah. So I, um, I think that's pretty much all I got for you right now. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or I wanted no, to say? Not in particular. Okay. Instagram is what Felix dot bear. Uh, barely Felix, I think, but B E H R L Y Felix. Felix. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Um, well, yeah. Come out to Two Street. Come out to Raven. Come out to Gojo to see Raven. Oh uh, yeah, Gojo. Gojo. <laughs> you probably don't want to come out. To <laughs> You hear that? Felix calling you all out for being little bitches out here, dude. <laughs> Come on. He was just being that guy. He is that dude. So, thanks so much, Felix, for coming out here and telling us your side of things. And uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. Again, very good talking to you. Love seeing you out at the mics. Appreciate everybody listening. Follow me on Instagram if you want to. Or if you hate me, don't. It's fine. Anyways, I love you. Amen. Okay, bye. Penis, 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 pen
penis, 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 penis. Penis, 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 penis. Penis, penis. That was amazing. <laughs> that was that was the exact structure of a sonnet. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs>